because well, you don't understand how you are raised. That's the glasses and the lens that you see life and religion through. And we see that with them here. And they're not wrong for asking this. This is really their Jewish background. They ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's gotta be somebody's fault. And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, that night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Somebody say light. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and he anointed, somebody say anointed, the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Salaam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. I want to preach on that just for a few moments today. I believe that God is going to speak to us. And for some of you, I want a complete healing. Not just a touch of God, but deliverance from God. Not just that your son's broke the addiction to his life, but that your son is filled with the Holy Ghost today in this house. How many know God can do it today? Amen? You may be seated. I want to preach just for a few moments. Mud pies in the daytime. Mud pies in the daytime. One thing that I love about this scripture is the authenticity that it brings. Because it sets before us not only the reality that our Savior is a healer and that he is a hope to those that are hopeless, but also it brings to us to the front of our minds a reality that all of us in here, no matter who we are, we all have issues from time to time in our life. I don't care how pretty the child is. I don't care how uh, the family looks. I, I love family portraits. I, I do. Because sometimes when you get those family portraits, if you really know the family, you understand that the family portrait is not telling the family story. Yesterday, we took to a 50th wedding anniversary for Pat and Wayne, and I, Jessica had all our clothes laid out for us so that we would look good. And while we were getting ready, I left early. I went by to see Brother J.E., and I met them there. And all her best efforts, Joy, she did it so good. She had her clothes just right, my clothes, everything was good. But all of a sudden, even her best day, we have one child, Ashton, who thinks that he knows how to dress. So instead of having a nice polo outfit on with a nice... Uh, Sperry's that look good for the picture. He walks in with camouflage, Wahala boots with those shorts covered up in a police outfit and a police hat. You, you can't get more Wahala than that right there. You understand? But it's in those family pictures that, and portraits that we try to paint a story. It's always in at the beach, you know, with the water coming in. And it's always in the mountains by the creek. Or it's the cotton fields here in the south that reminds us that we were born on southern land. And we all have these nice pictures. But you and I know something. While we can give those as gifts and we can put those above the mantle, if you look behind those pictures, there's a real story to be told. Because the pictures gives a snapshot of a moment of time, but it does not give the snapshot 
snapshot of the entirety of time. It shows us what we look like in a moment, but it does not show us what we look like all the time. See, what it doesn't show you is what it took to get to that moment and sometimes to get past that moment. What I'm saying is that everybody in this house, no matter if you spoke in tongues for 35 minutes today before you come to church, I appreciate that. Paul said that tongues may, uh, may cease at one day and we put that down and we use that for the need not to speak in tongues anymore. But Paul also said, I speak in tongues more than anybody else. He was not putting that down. But Paul also knew that the things that I want to do, I do not. And the things that I despise, sometimes I find myself doing. He was being real with us to let us know that no matter how spiritual you are, there are some issues and things in your life that come your way with your children, with your family, or with your body that you just don't understand. You can't explain it. And no matter how godly you've been, sometimes they just come in your life. Right now, this very moment, your former pastor is preaching at the Palmetto Point Church of God. It was not designed that way. I mean, he was scheduled, but while he's preaching there, he did not know that the pastor of that church, Jamie Barfield, that his father, the pastor of the River Alive Church of God in Sockesty, his father passed away yesterday. I'll be going down tomorrow night to that viewing and funeral. But at that moment, a family that has given three generations to the Church of God, to Pentecost and ministry, their father who wanted to pastor about five more years Saturday God called him home I'm trying to tell you something this morning that no matter who you are in this life that there's going to be times like Job where you wake up and it seems like all hell is against you it doesn't mean you've done something it doesn't mean you're evil it doesn't mean God has failed you it's just life itself the Bible said that all those that live godly shall suffer persecution there's going to be some persecuting times in your life. And when those things happen, you can do a couple things. You can beg to those who can help you, but you don't want to beg in front of certain people. What I mean by that is that if I've got an issue, let me keep that issue to myself. Are you listening? You know, when your boy hits a home run, you put that on Facebook. But if he strikes out four times, you never see that on Facebook, right? If it, if it doesn't rain on homecoming, we say things like this. Oh, we had a great homecoming. God just peeled the rain back and it didn't rain and we give God the praise. As if it rained on homecoming, that that makes God smaller than what he was because it rained on our parade. We have a tendency to give God honor when we feel like the moment deserves honor. But when we don't understand the moment, we have the tendency to hide and say this, I know I have an addiction. I know I have a struggle. I know I have a problem, but let me work that out out in my time. Let me work out my child in my way. Preach on your child. Talk about your family. I can ride with you on the things that are good in my life. But everybody in this house, you've got that one child. You've got that one situation. You've got that one problem. You've got that one dark secret that you've told nobody. And as long as if you can keep that thing hid, it'll be all right. But what happens, like in John 8 and John 9, when you've covered it up and you've begged at the right times and you've been silent at the right times, but all of a sudden somebody puts your name out there and they highlight your problem. Then we got trouble. As Andy Griffith would say, now we have trouble in Mayberry. Are you listening? It's all right to let me struggle in the dark, but don't bring my struggle to the light. 
But my Bible tells me that everything is done in the dark shall be brought out into the light. So what happens this morning like today when God's put you on notice, the disciples walk by and said, Jesus, if you want to teach me, all right. Here's a man, just using you by example, Eli. Here's a man that was born blind and I'm going to take him and put him at your feet, Jesus. Now, what are you going to do about it? It's kind of like John chapter nine. The lady that was caught in, uh, eight, excuse me, when the lady was caught in the act of adultery. They brought her unclothed to Jesus to trap him in the moment. But what they do not realize that as they were in darkness, representing a woman who was living in darkness, even though that they were full of darkness, they were bringing the darkness into the marvelous light. That's why John 1 and 5 says that in him was a life and the life was a light of men and it shined into the darkness and the darkness could never overtake it. It is the good news saying that no matter your issue this morning, no matter your problem and no matter your situation, if you ask God to touch it or if somebody else reveals it, the good news is that no matter how dark that depression, no matter how dark that story, no matter how dark that circumstance, let me just be bold when I feel the Holy Ghost saying, some of us need to quit playing games with our issues and let God go to work on our issues. And, and it's, it's the story that we try to put on a front that is not the reality. And what we have now is a man who's been brought to the feet of Jesus. If I would have been him, I would have been upset. I would have told them, listen, I wanted God to work, but I wanted God to work in my time. And I wanted God to work my way. See, I want God to work. I just don't want to come to the altar. I want God to work. I just don't want God to have to lay hands on me. I don't like that. That makes me feel uncomfortable. But even though the book of James says, call for the elders of the church and let them lay hands upon you. But you don't like James, so I understand that. God, I want you to deliver my child. I just don't want you to call him into ministry. God, I want you to touch my husband, but I don't want him to live in a way that would bring conviction to my life on the sins that I have covered up. But listen, sometimes we gotta realize that the pupil cannot tell the teacher how to teach the class. The students who are paying for the college learning and the knowledge can then not tell the professor of history to rewrite history that it might suit their circumstance or their story. And I believe like sometimes in modern day church, we have pulled up to the one who created us by the speaking of his word and the touch of his mighty finger. And the one who said in Genesis chapter one, let there be light and there was light in Genesis on the fourth day who said he made the greater light and the lesser light. Now we're coming back to him saying, God, we understand all this but if we cannot explain it away, then we just want you to change it or hide it from our circumstance. But listen to me, honey. Deliverance does not work in your time nor your way. Deliverance does not come to you because you're now ready to be delivered. God shows up in a moment and then you have to make up your mind in a moment if I want to come out or if I don't. Because if you want to come out, I still know a God that can speak to a dead Lazarus and say, come forth and he'll come out at the spoken word of almighty God come on give God praise if you believe that but this is where we get hung up joy we, we never get there because we're too busy either upset with God because it has been revealed I'm not saying I want to know your sins and I don't want you to know mine that's not what I'm saying but sometimes you can't hide a pregnancy that's six months long 
Hell, quiet now. Oh, I, I was, no, I better stop. It's the same way with cancer. It's the same way with other sins. Oh no, we're not separated. He's just been traveling a lot with his job, okay? No, no, my child's not backslid. He's just, he's just, he's just got a new job and, or he's this girl, you know, this girl he's dating. She's a good church girl. She really don't go to church, but she comes from a good church family. And no, no, no he's out of church for now, but he, him and her are working it out with God and it's going to be okay. Sooner or later, God, we're put right in front of the presence of the Lord and we can't lie anymore. And we can't make up excuses anymore. And while we hate that, can I tell you, that is a good thing. When you get where you can't work it out anymore and you can't fix it, and two plus two doesn't equal four anymore, it equals three, and you're confused, that is a good place to be with God. Because when you are limited and when you have limitation, God has no limitation, and then God can step in when we take our hands off and say, God, I want you to fix what needs fixing in my life. But the problem is we're trying to find out who did what. We're more worried about the gossip and the creator of the problem instead of worried about fixing the problem. The disciples asked Jesus, who sinned? It's gotta be somebody's fault. It's either Danny's fault or Russell's fault. It's somebody's fault. Who sinned? Did he sin? Jesus said, no, he didn't sin. He wasn't born yet. Now, I do believe that there are some people that are born with situations and issues from sin. I've seen that. You ever seen a child that was born and they're handicapped because of a mother's addiction? That's sin. Not sin on the child, but sin from the mother. Child did not sin. He is just reaping something that he did not sow. You understand what I'm saying? But in this situation, Jesus said, he didn't sin. Wasn't old enough to sin. Well, then the disciple says, it's gotta be joy. Joy is his daddy. Evidently, joy did something. Jesus said, no, no, joy didn't do nothing either. Well, if it's not joy, then it's gotta be joy's wife. And Jesus says, no, it wasn't joy's wife either. He didn't do nothing. Now the disciples have pulled up to the table and the professor is writing on the chalkboard, the blackboard, trying to teach them something and they are confused and they don't understand. Somebody has got to have done this to cause this situation. That's where the church is bogged down at. We're trying to find out, did, did, were they born this? way? Did Who did this? Did, was it daddy's fault? Was it the overseer's fault? Was it this person's fault? Instead of realizing that our God is still able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Our God is an awesome God who will show up and work out in our midst. But we're too busy playing the blame game. Uh, if, if it wasn't for, for Scotty, if it wasn't for Danny, if it wasn't for the overseer, if it wasn't for President Trump, if it wasn't for President Obama, if it wasn't for Neil, if it wasn't for Ashton, it's gotta be, it's always somebody else's fault. But if you really want to mature in God, there has to come a moment in time that you don't care whose fault it was, you don't care who started it, you don't care who started the rumor, you know there's a rumor going on about you, but you're tired of playing kids games with kid grown-ups who are immature, who don't want the will of God. They just want their way. They don't want what's right. They just want to be right. Is anybody listening today? They don't want the help of the church. They just want their way in the church. Are you listening? Sooner or later, you got to get tired of that. And you show up and you say something like this, God, I did not start serving you for them. I didn't get saved to please them. I didn't get saved to do ministry. I got saved because I wanted to change. I wanted to be transformed. I wanted to come out of darkness and walk in the marvelous light. God is trying to show them nobody's sin here. God is saying, I'm trying to do a work in him. And while you're trying to figure out 
who blamed and whose fault and their fault and it came from daddy's DNA. Have you ever heard that? You listening? Boy, you must have got that from your mama's side of the family. A little hee-haw for you there, it's okay. Are you listening? And Jesus said it was nobody's fault. But that this situation was designed and allowed that one day in my sovereign time that I might get the glory. Maybe just what you're going through right now that you despise the most was allowed in the eons of time for this very moment that a sovereign and holy God could step into your situation and use you as he told Saul last Sunday night. You are an instrument designed for my hand. Maybe that child wouldn't see a godly person if you didn't have an ungodly situation. But since you have an ungodly situation, that ungodly situation requires a godly person. And since you are a godly person, you're gonna do what my friends are doing. You're gonna do what J.E.'s doing. You're gonna do what Jay Winstead's doing. You're gonna do what you've done in the past. You're gonna show up at a funeral home and say this, though he slayed me, yet will I serve him. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. And then the devil goes back and says, I should have created a bigger issue. No, you didn't even create this one. Oh, you did in the fall, but God worked it out on the cross. And God says, quit blaming each other and let me go to work in your life. Watch what happens. Joy, if you would just flow with me. After they, they figure this out, Jesus does something, and I'm going to close. He then spits on the ground, and this is where some of you would have left camp. Raise your hand. Anybody honest enough? Nobody likes to be spit on. Nobody. Russell, I'm just going to use you because you're sitting right there. He's looking at me funny. You can always use the youth pastor, right? They just had that gift. Jesus spits and takes clay and molds it and begins to anoint the eyes. The significance of that is he didn't have to create because he had already created. He didn't have to go, oh, I gotta go get some Zyrtec because Neil's got allergies and him and Dina were cutting grass and now I look like Bobo the Clown like this right here. No, no, he didn't have to create because he already created. So that means he was not outsourced because he was the source. And when you are the source, you don't have to be plugged in. They have to be plugged into you. I'm preaching this morning. I wish somebody's listening. You don't have to go find a help for the answer when you are the answer. And when you have questions and problems and you take your questions and problems to the answer, you don't have to get a second opinion because no other opinions matter. <laughs> and so Jesus anoints him, anoints him with this because he made clay to start with and he goes back to the original creation and says, I know you are blind and you will be totally healed in the hereafter, but to show them and to show you, I designed this moment to teach you and to teach them about my glory coming in weakness. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna touch your eyes and allow you to see. See, there's no problem or no situation too bad today that God the creator cannot step in and go to work in your life. 
I need you though to realize that and quit telling me and telling that and telling this and telling them you want more friends on Facebook than you do more FaceTime with God. And when you have more friends on Facebook than you do FaceTime with God, then that's what you get as a reality. But sooner or later, you'll find yourself by yourself and you'll recognize that without God, you are absolutely nothing. And the blind man is there and he's not begging anymore and he's embarrassed. He's been put in front of everybody. But the good news is what he thought was going to embarrass and kill him is the very thing that God is going to use to deliver him. But you've got to make up your mind. If God chooses to come to you in a different vehicle, will you ride in that vehicle even if it takes you outside of your comfort zone? Oh God, we want you to give us the land. God, give us the land. Okay, Joshua, you want the city? Walk around each day for seven days. Oh God, we don't want it that bad. Because God, if we do that, somebody's gonna ride by the Wahala Gazette and the next thing you know, they're gonna put that the North Wahala Church of God has gone back to her roots again and now we're out there pouring oil and walking around and claiming things and they think we've lost our mind and crazy. We're speaking things into existence that is not there in the natural but it's present in the supernatural and God, I, I wanna do that but we, we come too far, God. We've arrived now, God. Our church is the church in the community so if you could just let us come a different way. God said, no, you want to be healed? I'm going to spit. I'm going to touch the dirt. This is the way that it's coming. In fact, I'm going to do a second part to it, but you got to receive the first part first. Brother Nolan, if God can heal me between 11 and 12, that would be great to me because I'm a little busy after 12 on Sunday. So if God would show up about 11 and 12 on Sunday, I, I, I sure give an extra tithe this month for that. If God, listen to me, you can't program the creator that way. Oh, I, no, nobody's going to anoint me with oil. I'm not going to the steakhouse smelling like an olive branch. <laughs> then I cannot help you. And truly, you don't want to be made whole. You just want to be made right in your own mind. I feel the Holy Ghost today. And God is saying, sometimes I'm going to come to you and ask of you what you're not comfortable to do. But if God calls, he's equips. And if God equips, he assigns. And if God assigns, he gives. And if God gives, he'll use you to do something great. If the task is not bigger than you, it's not a God task. If you're comfortable doing what you're doing because the task is something you can do, then you're not in the will of God. This church is too big for me, the pastor. What God wants to do in the future is bigger than me. What God wants us to build is too far bigger than me. I'm a little boy from Society Hill, not qualified, but I recognize that's the ones that God uses. Because on the other, I know somebody's gonna go say, I told you, I told you he wasn't qualified. I told you he could do it. No, I cannot do it. There's only one that's able to do the things that are holy. His name is Jesus Christ. And anything that's done, Brother Nola, I can't find that scripture. That's because you hadn't read it. Jesus said, and the word says in John chapter one, there is nothing made that is made unless he made it. And if it's made, he made it and nobody else. You hear me? If anything's gonna last the test of time, it's going to be made by the hands of Almighty God. Let me close with this. It's got to be bigger than me. It's got to be bigger than me. I can't waste my life on things that I can do. It's got to be bigger than me. If that's the case, we didn't need the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. 
He said, speedy that I go. If I do not go, the comforter shall not come. Jerusalem, we stayed in Jerusalem, brother, but Judea, Samaria, and the other most part of the earth hear the gospel. So Jesus anoints his eyes. Mark 8 says, though, if you relate these stories as the same as most theologians do, there is some debate, but most theologians relate them as the same because you find him not begging at the first part of John 8, John 9, excuse me. He says that he, I see men as trees walking. It is symbolic to let you know that there are times that God steps in your situation and anoints you for something. That's the King James. Anoints you for something, but you can't see the complete work because it's not time yet to see the complete work. Are you listening? David, Jesse, I've come to anoint a king, but you already have a king Saul, but you don't know the plans of God. I'm gonna anoint him to be king. I don't need him to be king now, but God needs to prepare him for the kingdom. What do you mean by that? Just bring me your sons, Elab, Benadab, Bayou, all of them are lined up. And then Jesse, this Samuel looks at Jesse goes, do you not have another son? Well, I got one more, but he's not even worthy to come out to the lineup. Now you know you're the black sheep of the family when your own daddy won't bring you to the lineup, right? When you're the only one that doesn't get a Christmas gift. Listen, I don't have to get what Brandon, my brother got, but at least buy me something, amen? Right? You don't have another child? I, I, yeah, but you know, he sings a lot and he worships a lot and he's a little weird and he's a little different. That's who God's here for this morning. Yeah. He's, he's, he kind of, while all the other ones are out chasing girls, he's over there talking about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, making me lie down in green pastures. We don't understand him. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Leads me in the past for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall feel no evil. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. To be honest, he makes us uncomfortable. We don't really like him because he's always talking spooky stuff. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Who is he even talking about? What is he talking about? He's always singing these psalms. He's got this heart. And then he comes back telling us these stories. Daddy, a bear came out today. Sure, a bear came out. Don't worry about it, though. The Holy Spirit came on me and I tore that bear apart. He's, this guy's different. He, He's just, he's just different. Daddy, a lion came out. The sure son of lion. No, Daddy, a lion came out. He was about to steal your sheep, but don't worry about it. The Spirit of God came on me while I was singing, and I tore that lion apart. Don't worry about the lion. Daddy, you can sleep tonight. Why? Because, see, God was at work in his life when he didn't understand that God was at work in his life. Are you listening? Listen, I was five years old. I was preaching by the refrigerator. I didn't know what I was doing, but it's God's calling. It's God at work. And so what God was doing, God was about to anoint him even though God wasn't ready to promote him. Just bring David. Oh, this is David? Yeah, that's him. What you mean that's him? That's king. You didn't know that? That's our next king. So they anoint him and then they send him right back out to a sheep field. They didn't take him straight to the palace. They sent him back to the sheep field. Sometimes God will anoint you and you think right then everything's worked out, but you don't understand the process that God is taking you to. I know God touched me today. As soon as you get in the car, that same friend's gonna call and bless you out and then you're gonna doubt God is working. Why do you let the flesh tell you what God did in the spirit? You received something in church, but it wasn't what you thought. And you think because you walked outside and you got a, a worse report than what you did when you walked in and you're going to doubt what God has done. Sometimes you may not see clearly, but you still can see. Amen. I don't know how God's going to work it out. I just know God's going to work it out. Let me show you what I mean. 
I'm going to use somebody else. Is that all right? Ashley, come here. Put these on. You might have to take your glasses off now. I don't know. Oh, you look good. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Can you see a little different right now? See a little bit. A little bit. You about to start walking, you're going to see a lot different. Hold on. <laughs> These represent goggles that the police department uses to show somebody at what level of consciousness of drinking something they shouldn't have drank. You understand what I'm saying? He's touched by God. He can see. This is what the Spirit of the Lord wanted me to tell you. And this is where I couldn't go at youth camp. You will settle with sight if you've been blind. He could not see, now he can, but his vision is distorted. Listen to me. While hollow, we cannot settle for a partial victory. It may not all come at one time, but it all is coming. Oh, I can see something. I, I, I can see something. Hadn't ate in four weeks, didn't have the money, so we put beady weenies in front of you. You're pleased to eat something, but can I tell you, we have the resources to take you down to Outback and buy your steak. Don't settle for what you think is sufficient when God's saying, I'm not done yet, I'm not finished yet. If you will keep walking, I will complete the task. But we're satisfied with just a little drop when God's got a big bucket, amen? So just walk to me, just walk to me. I'm gonna show you something. Walk to me, walk to me, walk to me a little more. <laughs> walk to me. Oh, don't hit that, don't hit that, that's okay. Don't hit that. Cause see, that's how some Christians are. They'll take a partial healing and they'll bump into something else and break something else. When God said, I'm doing a new work in you, you're looking over there, I need you to look right here at me. There you go, amen. Are you listening? And that's where we are. We've been touched, we've been anointed, but the work is not finished yet. I come to let somebody know, I know God told you it's going to be all right. And it's not completely done yet. You've got just a little ray of sunshine. I, as your pastor, not as an evangelist, as your pastor, I've come to remind you, if God said it, it's going to happen just like God said it was going to happen. Are you listening? Danny, if you'll get ready. I give God praise for what he's done already. I give God praise for bringing one of my children home, but I still got another one that's lost. And as long as he is lost, I'm going back to my prayer closet and I'm going to remind God you said that he would come home. It hadn't happened yet, but I'm telling you, I know it's going to happen, so I'm going to praise you now in spite of knowing. I thank God for the little sight, but God, I know one day you're going to anoint my eyes when I say and I will see clearly the mighty thing of God. Come here, come here one more time. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. Right here, right here, right here, right here. It's not enough to do this. When God is saying, I don't want to mess your hair up. When God is saying, I got so much more for you. Thank you. I got so much more. And when God gets finished, you know what will happen? You'll go back. You all, you all right? Amen. You'll go back home to your family and your family will say this. Herschel will look at his wife and say, is that our child? Kind of looks like our child, but it doesn't smell like our child. That's what they said. Is this the man that's been born blind? I don't know. Kind of looks like him, but he can see. I don't know, ask his mama, ask his daddy. See what'll happen is somebody will come in your life and your own family won't even recognize you. Your own friends won't even recognize you. 
You see them for the first time after being delivered. They walk up to you. You want to go out and smoke something tonight? No, man, I got to go to church. Who stole him? What happened to him? He got saved. They couldn't recognize him. That's what God wants to do in your life. And lastly, when they can't recognize you, they'll trap you. And if you're not careful, this is where the devil gets you. They will try to steal what God has done for you. When they couldn't trap Jesus, they tried to trap his parents. And his parents wouldn't even stand up for the child because if they said that Jesus done this, they go to jail and they pleaded this. He's a grown man. Why don't you ask him what God's done? They said, okay, we'll go ask him. And they go to this young man and they said, who did this? Is it that man that's called Jesus? And you know what he says? And I love this. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, I believe it's verse 25. He said, only thing I can tell you is this. I once was blind, but now I see. I can't explain it. I can't write a thesis on it. I'll never get a paper degree from it. When I give my testimony, you, you won't dance much. But here's what I know. I once was blind, but now I see. That's all God wants to do. Would you stand with me all over the house? Brother Nolan, I've hid my issues well. I have too. But what happens when you can't hide anymore? Pastor Russell, you and I have the privilege of pastoring these people on the highest pastoral level. And I really thought I would be dealing with gross sin and that may happen. But I feel burdened right now for people that are dealing with depression struggling in their mind, struggling to get up in the morning. Somebody says, oh, that, that's just a Pentecostal terminology to move emotions. No. There are people in the house today that are struggling just to put the shoes on. Buried a loved one, buried a grandma, buried a child. And I'm going to take up for you. You've hurt some people. It wasn't your fault. You were acting out of hurt. Now I'm telling you, God's put you right in the middle today to anoint your eyes and then you obey and go to Salaam and be healed in Jesus' name. Father, there's a sweetness in this house. A sweetness of the Holy Spirit. A redemption in the house. Father, I pray, Lord, for those who have just said, I'm a good Christian deal. I just can't, I can't go back to the altar anymore. I've been too much. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've cried and I've cried. I just, I just can't do it any longer. God's here for you today. One more time. Anoint your eyes that you may see. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And there's one who said, Pastor, you spoke to me the word, and I want God to touch me. I don't need the earth to quake. I just need a touch of the Master's hand. Would you step out right now? Would you forget your surroundings and those who are near you? I said, Pastor, I know that I know you spoke to me. Would you step out? One minute. One minute. Would you come? Would you come? You can't hide any longer. God's put you right in the middle. Would you come? That's all right. Wow, that's all right.
Can I have some ministers, some deacons to help me right here, please? All over the house. Wow. Can we give God the biggest hand of praise right now? Look at the men. Look at the men who have stepped out. More than the women. What a bold statement for men. Men don't talk about issues. We, we fix issues. That's who we are. We got men who have stepped out saying, all right, my issue's out there, but I really don't care. I just want him to touch me. When others come and help me pray as I begin to help them pray this morning, there's good men and women at this house that need to be down here helping. Would you stretch your hand at least and help me pray as they begin to sing?